Welcome Miami Hurricane fans, this is Christopher Stock and I'm here with David Lake and this is the Inside the U Podcast. We started InsideTheU.com back in 2007 with the idea of providing fans with as much team and recruiting information as possible. We had a podcast back then but got away from it over the years and just wanted to bring it back this year in hopes of being able to reach more fans by sharing our opinions, thoughts, and observations on the team and recruiting. And uh, let's just get right to it. 2015 season begins with a home game against Bethune-Cookman. There's been a lot of discussion about the depth chart and what to expect from the team this year. I think a lot of people are curious what the defense is going to be this year. You lose Denzel Perryman and you look at some of the other names and you wonder how guys are going to step up. Uh, I think, you know, just looking at a guy like Jermaine Grace, he's a guy that finished second on the team in tackles last year. Uh, He's got speed. He's not the biggest linebacker, but he's someone that they like. And I asked Mark D'Onofrio earlier in the week, just, you know, what what does Jermaine got to do to to take his game to the next step? And he was saying he's got to be more consistent. So I think that's interesting. It'll be one to watch because I think Jermaine, you know, he's, he's such a good tackler and has good instincts and, I just think on on the defense, he's got to be a guy that 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 takes it to the next step. Yeah, I think for me, what I'm looking at with the defense is that front seven, and can can this Miami defense this year finally generate consistent pass rush, consistent pressure? Because that's something that's certainly been missing from the defense during this Al Golden era. I think you look at the this first initial depth chart to start the year and. You know, I think it's kind of curious because it's kind of really just the same faces with the first team. I think it was surprising that Al-Qadim Muhammad is, is listed as a second teamer. I mean, he's he's one of the better pass rushers they have on the team. And, you know, Yufamba Kamalu over Chad Thomas, that might be a, a veteran over a young guy kind of move. But certainly I think for for this defense to take the next step, you need you need to start playing those guys with with the high ceiling, with the talent, guys like Chad Thomas and Alquadine Muhammad. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be more of the same from the defense unless you start getting those guys in the game and trusting them and kind of letting them do their thing. Um, you know, I, I feel good about the secondary. I don't know about you, Chris. I, I, it's, it's good enough. I think they have, uh, you know, some good talent at safety and corner. I'm excited to see kind of what Korn can do because he certainly makes plays out at practice whenever we watch. Yeah, I think with Korn, uh, what's interesting is, you know, uh, just an athletic guy. He seems to, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he, yeah, like you said, he, we, we see him make plays. And uh, we, we didn't get to see very much during fall camp, just uh, the, they blocked the media out. But during the spring, we got to see every practice and we were there. Uh, every day watching and and thing with corn too you know you just feel like he can make plays and you feel like he can be a spark plug for the defense and i think yeah i i agree i think corn's a guy to watch this year um and see how they move him around and how much he'll actually be on the field and what's interesting too you know you look at Artie burns is back and it's a big year for Artie. you know it's his junior year uh he's definitely got the attributes of being an nfl player uh, a guy that gets drafted and, and possibly early depending on how this season goes so i think watching Artie, you know he's had a couple years of experience uh, he's got good size length and obviously he's, he's great speed but i think Artie, i think this is just such a big year for Artie for you know just his nfl prospects uh, and, and he's a guy that we've, we've seen quite a bit from high school and kind of just his development um yeah i, I would say i think Artie should be 
I mean, he's probably the most NFL draft-ready guy they have on the defense. Uh, and like you said, if he has a great year, he certainly could be a guy who, who leaves early just because he has the size and speed that NFL craves at, at corner. And then with Korn, I mean, I would just, I don't know if you agree, but I would just say that Korn has the best ball skills of any of their DBs, and he just ha- he seems to just have the best instincts on making plays when the ball's in the air. Yeah, I agree. And I think that one, one thing you see with Korn is, you know, he's going to get deflections. He, he dives after balls for deflections, and yeah, he's got that kind of a natural... Uh, ball skill ability that that we've seen and and maybe that's just from playing offense you know so much in high school and just being an athletic kid uh you know good basketball player and all that so i think he's such a key point and and we mentioned you know we're not mentioning tracy howard uh, but he's another guy kind of like Artie that needs to you know step up we've heard we've talked so much about tracy and why is he not uh been the player we expected and, and and fans too not just what we think but um this is his last year this is tracy's last year last go around uh, to, to make his mark and, and to prove his worth, to, to kind of maybe erase uh, the plays and, and erase things, how things have been earlier in his career. Yeah, Tracy, you know, I still believe in Tracy's talent. He was a highly touted recruit coming into Miami. And I, I certainly think he's still he's still a guy who can give Miami a lot this year. He uh, He's another guy with, with good ball skills when, when he has confidence, when he's playing at, with the confidence that he had in high school. And it seems like this is a time for him to, to show what he can do. I mean, it seems like Artie, Korn, and Tracy have really separated from the rest of the cornerback group. So there shouldn't be really any con- any concerns with playing time with Tracy. So he should be, you know, enjoying this year, going out and, and playing free and kind of knowing he's he's going to be playing week in and week out. And hopefully we can see the best of him. Yeah, I think, you know, earlier this, in fall camp, though, one thing that was interesting to me was I, I, I had an interview and I, I talked one-on-one with, with defensive backs coach Paul Williams. And uh, one of the things I asked, he, he talked so much about the, the veterans they have in the back. And, and we haven't even mentioned safety yet, but the, the veterans they have back there, one thing I asked him was, like, because of having so many veterans, are they able to, and I didn't, say, I didn't want to say freelance, but are they given – maybe a little more freedom to, to make plays on their own and, and maybe, you know, use, utilize a little bit more of their instincts. And one thing you directly said, well, they're, no, they're, they're expected to run the defense. And I found that to be interesting because sometimes with veteran guys, you see it in not just football but all sports, uh, coaches trust their, their older guys to, to make plays on their own and, and things like that. So that will be something to watch watch for uh, in, the, in the secondary, I think. I think it's very interesting that they're all, they will all be expected to, to run the defense and, 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 maybe, and probably not gamble. And then they all talk so much about, you know, players and coaches talk so much about just taking what, you know, what is there, run the plays, and, and plays will be made, uh, so to speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, kind of, what's your thoughts on just the safety depth chart they rolled out in week one? I know my first thoughts kind of, you know, Dallas Crawford as a starter, certainly he's he's a team leader. He's very vocal. He knows the defense. But with Dallas, you're going to have physical limitations. I think he's going to be fine these first two weeks of the season when Miami plays Bethune and, and Florida Atlantic. But then once Miami starts playing real teams like Nebraska and Cincinnati, I think those physical limitations with his small size and, and kind of lack of speed... I think it could pop up as an issue having Dallas back there 
as a as a center field safety. I think I would much rather see you know Rayshon Jenkins out there more, Dion Bush and and or Jamal Carter paired together. I just think it's going to be interesting to see if Dallas can really hold down the job for the whole the whole season. Well, I mean, I certainly agree, and, and we had talked about it before with Dallas, and we we ex- it wasn't when the depth chart came out came out. It was something we expected, and, and like you said, it, it's something that I, I really don't expect to change over the first couple weeks because I don't think Dallas is going to so-called play himself out of the position. I think that he'll do fine and he'll be solid. Um, I just, again, you mentioned some of the his limitations. I just kind of, you know, it's hard to erase what he was last year and it's hard to think that he's improved that much um, from what he did last year. It seemed like he was really struggling. Uh, we have seen him struggle in the past. And, and one thing Al Golden said was just Dallas isn't giving up deep balls this fall camp, and he's tackling a lot better. So, you know, again, we didn't get to see fall camp, but, you know, hearing those things, those are definitely things that he had to improve on. So if that's not happening, then then maybe uh, he will be able to hold on. But, yeah, I, I would I would much rather see, you know, Rayshon Jenkins in there. I think Jamal Carter – yeah. Is a guy that I mean, he's extremely athletic. We know this. We high school. We just knew he's always been extremely athletic. Strong, one of the stronger guys on the team for his size. He might be the most athletic guy on the team, but it just it just hasn't came around for him enough for the coaches to to trust in him. And I I personally don't see that changing. I mean Jamal. I mean Jamal is physically what Miami fans expect of a UM safety. He's a freak. He can. Like you said, he's he's one of the top athletes on the team. I know last year he um, tied some of Sean Taylor's strength records, which, you know, is ridiculous. So, I mean, Jamal is listed as a co-starter right now, so he's certainly moving his way up the depth chart, and that's a positive sign. But I'm with you. I mean, I think the thing holding Jamal back is the coaches don't necessarily think he can run the defense as well as a guy like Dallas. And they think he doesn't understand the defense as well as a guy like Dallas. So we'll see. You know, these first two weeks are big for guys like Jamal Carter. Can he, when he does get in the game, what's he going to do? Is he going to gain the the trust of these coaches? And absolutely. You talk about what the coaches want. Some of the stuff is not exactly what how we think. I mean, some of it's just interpreting what the coaches want and things they say. And, they value, you know, running the as a safety. They value uh, the safety to be able to run the defense. They value that so much in their evaluations. They want uh, the communication in the back, and they they love that from the safety position. That's what they want. I, you talked about Sean Taylor and and things that what UM fans are, are are used to seeing at that position, and and a playmaker back there. We, we've seen playmakers over the years. You know, Brandon Merriweather was a big time playmaker. Uh, Greg Threat was a guy that had uh, nearly 150 tackles at that position. I mean, there's just been guys that have made plays, and I think that's different from what they want. But you mentioned something about the coaches and the, how much they value and doing the right thing and running the, the defense. I mean, Trent Harris is a perfect example of that. They they rave about him so much about not making mental errors and doing things the right way and, and all these things. So uh, Trent Harris might not pop out at you as a, as a premier athlete or a premier playmaker, but he's always in the right position, and that's why he's you know listed a, a, as, a, as, a, as one of their guys uh, that they really like and um, they talk about him so highly. Yeah, so that's, to me, that's the debate with this depth chart at some positions. You know, you got Trent Harris over a guy like Muhammad. You got um, 
you know, Jamal Carter as a co-starter while Dallas Crawford is a starter at the other safety spot. You know, is is this coaching staff ever going to trust guys that, okay, they might bust, but also they can change a game by making a play. And also, when those guys have confidence and they know I'm going to play no matter what, that can be a big boost to your defense, just those guys playing with confidence. So, yeah, I mean, I think... I think that's an interesting thing with the depth chart moving forward, just kind of monitoring those position battles. And like I said earlier, these first two weeks will, will be key with deciding those guys. One thing, I want to put you on the spot, Chris. I want to ask you, on this defense, who do you think, and, I, and you can't answer Jermaine Grace, who's going to be a breakout guy for the defense this year? I mean, that's that's really putting me on the spot because – you know, one thing, we talk so much about what's going to happen with the season and, and all these guys, and, and some of it, you know, just from covering the team year after year, and it's really hard for um, guys to do something that they haven't done before. You know, some of these guys have a track record. Like like what I mentioned earlier with Dallas Crawford of, you know, well, what we've seen in the past, if is he's going to be much better than this as his fifth-year senior, it's hard to envision that. I, I have a hard time seeing things that we haven't already seen. So a guy to break out, you know, I'm looking up and down the defense, and it's, I mean, I, I'm having a hard time picking out a guy. I know you know, for me, I would, I mean, I would say Cornelder. I think I'm a believer in his ability to make plays with the ball in the air. He's he's not going to press impress anyone with his run support. So if he comes up to make a tackle and, and you know, it's not it's not pretty, but I will say, I think as far as his cover skills, his ability to stick to a receiver and, you know, come up with some picks as well, I'm looking for Corn to kind of be a guy who breaks out this year. I think that, I mean, and we, I talked earlier about Corn. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good one. And like I said, I'm looking up and down the, the depth chart here. You know, Calvin Hurdaloo, I mean, last year he started... 12 games and had one tackle for loss like that's not good enough and and I asked him I asked him why, why it's going to be different this this week you know what this year why is it going to be different giving him those stats and he just said you'll see so and maybe I will so may, maybe guys will surprise me but I, I'm just really having a hard time you know you talk about guys like Muhammad and Chad Thomas that were such big recruits coming out of high school and they're they're sitting here you know not not first yeah. teamers and so maybe you didn't envision them uh getting better I, I don't know one thing you know we've talked about with Kamalu I think he's an interesting guy and he's not a guy that's uh made a ton of plays in his career at Miami but you know he's getting close to 300 pounds and I think if you start moving him inside a lot more I think that could benefit the team he's 6'6 so I don't maybe he can be a guy that uh, disrupts things a little bit there or, or you know maybe he's not going to have the crazy statistics of, of making plays but maybe he can be a solid guy and uh, yeah. with really good size he talked today after practice Wednesday and uh, you know I asked him how you know what's what's kind of your split right now in terms of at practice how much are you working at dn how much are you working at d tackle and he kind of made it sound like he's he's doing both pretty pretty much evenly um so it it sounds like they're moving him a lot and i even said i was like okay not counting playing d tackle on third down situations because he played that last year as a third down pass rusher um but yeah, he said, you know, I'm definitely uh, I'm playing more D tackle this year, and the coaches want me uh, want me playing that, and uh, you know, I think that's a that's a good 
that's a good thing to try out just to see what Miami has there because I still I still don't think that Miami has solved their defensive tackle issues um, going into this season. I mean, I agree. I mean, we talk, defensive tackle has been a an issue pretty much when Al Golden got here, and you know, recruiting hasn't been good enough at that position. And every year we're we're looking at it as a question mark. You know, guys. You know, you're starting to look at guys like you know Jelani Hamilton's been here for a long time, hasn't done much. You know, Anthony Moten's in his second year. Maybe he's going to do something uh, a little bit different. Michael Weish is a, a senior and. You hardly hear you hardly hear anything about him. Uh, you know Kendrick Norton. Maybe that's a guy that that can do something. I mean, he's a freshman that they like. You know, six three, almost three twenty. I'd like to see what Moten can do this year. I think he's a guy that has some twitch to him, and he, there's something there. He has the ability to pass rush. He he's one of their quicker defensive tackles. They got to find a way to to make a role for Moten because he can really. He can disrupt things when he's at his best. I think consistency is is an issue with him, but if they can get the most out of Moten this year, it would be a big boost to that position. I think. Yeah, I agree, and and, and maybe even with this defense, the way they like to stack their line up, you know, Moten might be a guy to be able to benefit from that. Uh, and, and like you said, maybe get some pass rushing going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I looking at linebackers too. Just want to touch on that real quick before we end this segment on the defense um you know Rafael Kirby he's kind of he's gonna be the middle linebacker this year replacing Denzel he's taken on the leadership roles with the defense you know I'm just I'm concerned to be honest about the drop-off from Denzel to Kirby with this this defense I think that's a big drop-off and Denzel was really really talented player um you know, just the linebacker depth in general, Chris. I guess, you know, what are your thoughts on it? I think, for me, it it's kind of lacking. I would like to see more there. Um, but, yeah, just your thoughts on the linebackers. I mean, right I don't now. think there's any question that you look at the depth. I mean, you, you got Darian Owens earning a, a first-team spot. And, and Tyreek McCord might be a guy that I didn't talk, talk much earlier or talk about him earlier, but he's a guy that, that has made plays. Uh, he's a guy that I think uh, can be a leader type for the defense. He's he's an older guy. He's someone that the players like, and he has a personality to him. He he plays with the game with an edge when he's out there. Um, to me, uh, just personally, just I was just disappointed that he wasn't a, a, a seen as a starter, or, or he didn't do enough in the coaches' minds to to earn the the spot. I, I think Tyreek's a guy that I I think if we were to you know you asked about breakout guys, I thought Tyreek was going to be a guy this year that could really put together a solid senior season and um but you know if he's not starting it's hard to envision that and who knows when that'll change but uh yeah Darian Owens is is kind of just a guy to me um to be honest Uh, Terry McRae is a backup and Marcus Marcus Gayot I mean he just switched over from safety those two guys haven't made a lot of plays and weren't highly regarded coming out of high school so I think yeah I think that is an issue no doubt. The two deep at linebacker is very concerning to me. And I understand Jawan Young is dealing with an injury right now. He would he would most likely be the backup middle linebacker. But, I mean, who knows when he'll be able to come back. I guess he's dealing with a foot thing right now. But, anyway, so, I mean, linebacker, there's always going to be injuries at linebacker throughout a season. And when those starters, if they start coming down with some injuries, I just don't think it's going to be looking very pretty at linebacker for Miami this year. Yeah, it's definitely, like you said, big drop-off from Denzel. We haven't seen it from Kirby yet. And, 
it'll be interesting to see if he can come close I mean, to the Jermaine, production. Jermaine will be fun to watch. He sure. He's a guy who, yes, he's undersized, but he plays with pop. He really he really can pop people when he tackles. And he's very good at um, defending the pass as a linebacker. So he's a guy they can blitz. He'll make plays blitzing, you know, pressures off the edge. Or they can uh, drop him back and he can make some plays on the ball if, if you know, quarterbacks want to test him there. And before we switch over to offense, just two freshmen to watch, Sheldrick Redwine and Jaquan Johnson. Both guys we liked in high school, saw him play, liked what they both bring at those positions in the secondary. Uh, Sheldrick might have an easier chance to get on the field uh, on the def- defensive side just because of the depth chart. But uh, Jaquan, both of them, I think both you'll see both on special teams. Hopefully those guys can uh, make enough plays on special teams just so it gives you uh, some flashes and, and, and hopefully those guys both develop because I think both are future starters at UM and uh, development starts now. So th- I'll be looking to see how they, they do their freshman year. Yeah, and along those lines with freshmen, I, I was – I was surprised when I saw um, R.J. McIntosh to start camp. He, The last time I saw him, I'll admit, was um, the spring going into his senior season. And since then, I think he's grown a couple inches, and he's really uh, you know, built his body to not be as uh, soft as it was in high school, which happens, you know. So he, to me, he, he looks physically like an impressive 3-4 defensive end that this coaching staff wants for their system. So he he's listed on the depth chart to start the year and you know it'll it'll probably be a slow build for him in terms of playing time throughout the year. But he he's a guy to watch and, and I know the coaches are definitely excited about him. So when we talk about offense, everyone wants to talk about Brad Kaya. We'll definitely talk about him uh, and our expect- expectations for him this season and what, what he needs to do and all that stuff. But I want to talk about wide receivers because you're, you're talking about three guys, just their top three, Rashawn Scott, Stacey Coley, Herb Waters, three guys that we liked a lot in high school, what they brought. We've seen flashes of it uh, at UM, and all three of them are coming off seasons uh, where they weren't, uh, they didn't do very well. You know, Rashawn's out, you know, so that was his issue. Stacey Coley clearly didn't quick, have the year he won. Quick trivia for you. Yeah. Who's the leading returning receiver, yards-wise? It's Herb, right? Oh, Malcolm, Malcolm Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, Malcolm Lewis. So, I mean, I think most UM fans would be surprised by that. Um, I don't. It was maybe just over 200 yards. I forget the exact number. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I would say... On the depth chart right now to start the year, Miami, I mean, the coaches got it right. They, The three guys that they have as starters with Herb, Rashawn, and Stacy need to be the three guys that they go with. Why do you like those three? Like, why do you see those three? Why do you like that group? I think they, they each can offer a little something different. So Rashawn, he's not a huge guy, but he's 6'2", and he's definitely their most physical. Like, he will fight cornerbacks throughout a game he will grind them down when the ball's in the air he will fight the cornerback to come down with the ball he's pretty good with uh coming down with balls when it's in the air if he can make the you know if it's within his catch radius he'll come down with it he's also an underrated route runner so i mean i do i like Rashawn a lot i think he's he's talented i think he's due for a big year if he's healthy with herb he's he's you know slasher speed guy he ran the fastest 40 uh, 
on the team this summer, him and Artie, supposedly tied at a 4.38. So I think Herb can can maybe bring some of a deep threat. They also have liked to give him some some quick screen passes the last couple of years, which have been hit or miss. I'd say mostly miss for, you know, it just hasn't really worked out with her in that role. And then Stacy, he's the most talented of the group. Um, they just got to find a way to get him going. I mean, the, the flashes he showed as a freshman was extremely impressive. He scored 10 touchdowns that year in every way that he touched the ball. He returned a kick, returned a punt. He ran the ball for a touchdown. He had, I think, seven receiving touchdowns that year. And he really took, like, as a freshman, he took over the playmaking role for Duke Johnson when he got hurt towards the end of that year. He, Duke was out, and Stacy kind of took that role over as the playmaker for the offense. And last year, for whatever reason, was just a total disaster for Stacy. And... uh you know, I know you're high on Stacy, Chris. Do you, do you expect him to to bounce back this year? Yes, and there's there's various reasons. First off, everyone wants to know like, well, what well, what happened? What happened with Stacy last year? Why why did he struggle so much? I mean, he didn't score a touchdown. I mean, what what happened? I there are a few things that I I noticed from watching, and and sometimes you know, being in the press box and 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 other people too get to see this. But when you're able to like look and concentrate just on routes and things like that, because you can see it. And, I, and sometimes I would only focus on Stacy, um, just because you know the, the way the season was going. I, I was just so curious in what I could see, or just my opinion, rather than always hearing what people want to say about him. But there were times where it definitely looked like Stacy wasn't uh, one of the primary receivers. Um, I don't know if he was third or fourth on the tree uh, with the route tree and things like that. And, and I, it just didn't seem like he was necessarily a focal point for the offense. And and sometimes his routes weren't as crisp because it just didn't look like he was a main option. And so I think those things were playing into it. He's talked about some mental things that he had to get through. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing I think. I mean, this is an opinion for me, but I think it just seemed like he didn't, for whatever reason, he, you know, he struggled at Louisville last year and he kind of just went in the tank to me. Like confidence seemed like an issue for him last year. Which is interesting, right? I mean, because Stacey... He's a very confident guy. Yeah, coming into Miami especially, he was definitely confident. And you need to be confident as a receiver. But it just seemed like his head was always down. I don't know. He it was just a different it was a different look from Stacy that I'd never seen, you know, before last year. And I, I think, you know, that's easily correctable. I think it seems like the coaches believe in him this year and all the reports we're getting out of scrimmages is that He's making plays, and he's, you know, kind of back to being Stacy. Which isn't surprising. It's more surprising that he's struggling rather than making plays. Well, his players. talent I is mean, ridiculous. Sure. He, I mean, should, he should be, you know, the top playmaker on this offense this year. Sure, and there should be no question. One thing, you mentioned, you know, with Herb and, and the, the offense, they want to get the, the the mindset of their offense is get the uh, playmakers the ball early and let them make plays. Now, when doing that, I think sometimes you take away – from their playmaking ability in the sense of getting more yards. I I think expecting a receiver to take a screen and go 25 yards is tough. I I would like to see the offense really stretch it out. Uh, make I'd like to see Brad Kaya make throws downfield to these receivers. I think that's where they're most effective, especially yeah. when you look at Rashawn Scott. He's not a, a blazer, and he's not, and, and all these guys. You know, Stacy's got one-on-one moves, and Herb's a one-cut type type Herb, guy. Like even in high school, Herb was never a quick 
quick screen guy and go make plays after the catch. He he was always a deep ball guy. He would beat guys deep, stack them and beat them deep. And you know he needs to, he needs to do that this year. They need to replace Philip Dorsett somehow with a deep ball threat, and he needs to be that guy. Whether it's a deep ball, deep post, he needs to be able to make defenses honest. Yeah, it's just you know you talked about Herb and and going deep and stuff, and it just makes me think about when we saw him in high school and at a at a camp seven on seven stuff, and and nobody knew who Herb Waters was. We had met him before that when we used to do our high school tours, and we met Herb. Oh, sophomore year? I don't know how old he was. He was young. Uh, I think he was playing quarterback at the time. And uh, when we saw him um, at this at this 7-on-7 seven seven event, it was a tryout for one of these teams. Herb was a guy that nobody knew about. He was up in Palm Beach, a lot of Palm Beach kids. Nobody knew who Herb was down from Homestead. Or he came up, you know, from from Homestead, and and he was talking, just talking, you know, yeah, confident, just being real, a lot. just I was arrogant, just a confidence, you know. We we see it all the time with kids, and uh, so Herb's talking all this, makes plays downfield, fifty yard bombs, catching touchdowns, letting everybody know about it. All the corners, he he was letting them know who Herb Waters was and where he was from. It, it was great to see, and then and then it got to be the point where everybody was like, who is this guy? So he would, and then he would call out other corners and say, all right, let's do this, and then he would tell them at the line, I'm going deep. I'm going to beat you deep. It's going to be for a touchdown. Of course, when he does it, he ran right by him, catch a touchdown, let him know about it. I mean, that's the kind of stuff from Herb that we've seen flashes with. And just it's just fun to see the confidence that he has. I would love to see Herb get back to that. I'd love yeah. to see him be a deep, not only a deep, field, a deep ball threat, but also just that confidence because um, I, I think he's got it still in him. I, I just Sometimes we talk to him and it, it doesn't seem to still be there. But I'd like for him to see he's, play with confidence. He's shown flashes too. Like, I mean, sure. I would say... I mean, Rashawn and Stacy have had bigger seasons than Herb's ever had here. But I would bet single game-wise, Herb's, you know, he's gone off against Duke twice. I would He went off against USF one year, I remember. His single games that he's had, like his ceiling at, with his single games, has been very impressive. I mean, he's shown, I mean, he, I think he's had 200-yard games. You know, he's had a two-touchdown game, I believe. Uh, so he's shown that he can do it. It's just we need to see it week in, week out from Herb. And, you know, he certainly has a good quarterback throwing him the ball, make it, you know, there'll be chances there. But, Chris, with, with this offense, I think the biggest issue is going to be O-line. And I think that's going to dictate everything they do on offense. We can talk about the receivers and, you know, how it's a solid group and there's talent there and they can all make plays down the field. But you can't make plays down the field if your quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball. And I think that we started seeing signs of that in the spring. I think we would like, like I said, we'd like to see the ball stretched out a little bit more. You know, the 20-yard passes downfield to these guys. Because like you said, they can make plays. And, and uh, you know, Brad's obviously, you're, you're confident in him and making proper throws. But we started seeing in the spring that um, they, they wanted to go to a short passing game. And I feel like... You're going to see that during the season, because the offensive line isn't as equipped to handle, you know, uh, sustainable pressure, you know, pass blocking uh, for a few seconds. There, I think, I think it's going to be an issue. I think they're going to want to get the ball out of Brad's hands because of that reason, and and I think that, like you said, it will dictate what they want to do because the offensive line is unproven, and um, it, not only unproven, but but also. 
uh, I just don't there, think the there's not a lot of there. sure. There's not a lot of signs of of making you believe that they're they're going to get it turned around. Or sometimes you have teams that are you know inexperienced and unproven, and then you just get the guys in there and and they're fine. I I just don't see that with this group. I think there are question marks, and I think it'll be like that all year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the group. I think Trevor Darling ideally is a guard. He might. I mean, he he can be serviceable at right tackle. But having Trevor Darling at left tackle, to me, it's not going to work. I, I don't feel good about that. And then Sonny Adagwu, yes, he, he probably has the best tackle build of anyone on the team. He's very long. He He's, you know, very flexible. It's just he's still very young in his maturation as an O-lineman. I mean, he came to football late, and he's still really learning the position at right tackle and so I think there's going to be a lot of issues there at right tackle with Sonny and and his technique and just understanding football situations so I think those those two tackles that Miami has out there you know starting it's going to be interesting and you know I don't think we'll see anything really negative at least I don't expect it if we do we know the issues are really bad but I don't expect to see anything these first two games I think Bethune, Ford Atlantic, this O-line should just be able to mash those opponents. And, you know, if if worse comes to worse, they should be able to just run the ball, and it, it'll be fine handling those smaller D-lines. I think Nebraska is when we really know what this O-line's made of. Um, but honestly, I th- I'm, I'm really worried. I, like you said, in the spring, I, I can't get over how bad they were in that spring game. I mean, this D-line, Miami's D-line dominated them. Brad had zero time to do anything. And really, it's kind of the same group that's from that spring game. I mean, and yes, they, they probably have gotten a little better since the spring. But the jumps they need to make from the spring to where things need to be to be an acceptable UMO line... I, I don't know if those jumps can be made with this group. And I, I think if the tack, and the tackles are both question marks, and again, because Trevor it almost feels like he is playing out of position uh, from his natural spot, which would be inside, you're really concerned with you know pass rush. If, you have a, if you're a defense and you want to send a, a rusher, if you've got to rush in just one-on-one, and you're going at Sonny, I mean, son, with Sonny's size and uh, his flexibility and things like that, it just feels like if you have a... Uh, a guy that can rush, it just feels like he can get by Sonny. And then if you want to stack a couple of them, if you want to blitz, I, I just I don't feel very good with off the edge watching this and seeing how things might work uh, for the offensive line, and, and especially if guys are coming, um, sending the heat. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, the only remedy Miami, and we saw this again, we saw this in the spring, the only thing Miami can do to help this situation is to put tight ends on the line. Sure. So we saw during the spring that they would put, you know, two or three tight ends on the field together at the same time to help the O-line block. And, you know, the the coaches, the, you know, all the guys on the team will tell you how good this tight end group is. Um, but personally, I would rather see the three receivers on the field at the same time together rather than two or three tight ends. So I think, you know, to protect the O-line, you have to put these tight ends on the field. And I think that greatly limits an offense that has potential with Brad Kaya throwing the ball around. You know, this is going to have to be a ball control 
short passing game offense. Absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned the tight ends. I think you're you're definitely going to see those guys in blocking. I think Standish Dobart, especially early. I mean, we've seen them all. Most of fall camp, he's had a big, his, his hands been heavily taped. Uh, it feels like even if he could run routes, it'd be hard for him to catch the ball. But I think he'll be in there quite a bit early on in the season until that thing's off. And I think he'll be counted on to block. And I, I wouldn't, I don't expect the tight end group to be in, heavily involved as a group in the passing game, even though Al Golden would prefer it. Everyone knows he likes tight ends, and I think they will be on the field, but I just don't see the group. I don't see Dobard having an individual season, not nearly like Clive Walford has had in recent years, and I don't see the group uh, putting together a, a solid offensive uh, passing, you know, receiving group, uh, just as a group. I just don't see that because, like you said, I think they're going to have to be blocking a lot more. And, again, I don't think the talent is necessarily as good as – or I don't think it's as good as what uh, they make it out to be or, or others, other people seem to think it is. I am interested to see what they make of David Joku and Chris Herndon. I mean, we hear a lot about them. They cert- They have some athleticism for being bigger guys. Um, you know, right now they're listed as an H-back on the depth chart. And in the spring, we saw, you know, Miami would definitely give them a lot of opportunities with balls thrown into the flat, and they would turn up field for, you know, anywhere from an 8- to 10-yard gain. We'll see if anything can can be made of of Herndon and Joku with matchups or, or you know, if they, if they will really be utilized in this offense. But... You know, do I think they're going to have huge years? No. But I think, I mean, we'll see what what they can do and how the UM coaches really move them around. Gus Edwards is out for the season. Joe Yearby, Mark Walton, Trayon Gray are your running backs. What do you think of that group replacing Duke Johnson? Well, I think it's a big drop-off. You know, Duke Duke was special. And I don't think Yearby, uh, Walton, or Trayon Gray possesses the same talent that Duke had. Um, you know, I, I would say, yes, it's always tough when you have four running backs. It's always tough losing one of those top four running backs like Gus Edwards, like Miami lost Gus Edwards for the year. But I think, even still, I think Walton and Yearby are the two best running backs they have. So this kind of cements that they will be given lots of carries, lots of opportunities this year. And, um, you know, we'll see what they have. I, I'm i not, I mean, I like them. I just don't like them the same way I like Duke. So I think you combine that with an O-line, that's a question mark. I just think the running game is going to take a step back this year. I don't like, I mean, you can talk about this too, Chris. I don't like how... Uh, much bigger Joe Yearby has gotten this year. To me, he doesn't look—he doesn't look like the same guy that made him so successful in high school as a quick, one-cut back. He's—he's he's too heavy. He's what, almost up to two hundred? Is he, he two hundred two? He told me two hundred two this week. And what did he play at last 175. year? One seventy-five. So he played at one seventy-five last year. He was probably—I don't know—one eighty, one eighty-five in the spring. So he's put on some serious weight since you know the end of the spring and i i don't like the look of it i understand golden and the staff likes bigger backs they like some bulk to their backs so they can handle the rigors of a season but i think you still want joe yearby to do to be the back that made him so successful in high school and i i'm 
yeah, I think that's a big thing that, that I like in players in the sense of don't forget what made you successful. And as coaches, don't don't leave what the, what they are. As you're trying to, I feel like they're trying to make Yearby into something that he's not. And yes, 175 is too light. Everyone knows that for the college level, he would need to add a few more pounds. I just like 190 would be good. Sure, and and, and maybe you know toned and just you know all those kind of things, uh, and and just um, just a better look to him. I think with Joe, and he has said you know he feels feels bigger, he feels stronger. He says he's a little faster. I just have major concerns with mm-hmm. is he really that much faster, and is is his quickness and all these things because it doesn't look the part right now. And again, that's by saying we don't get to see much uh, in the fall, but we all remember we got to see Joe at an early age in high school. The things he he was able to do. Uh, that made him so successful. He ran for over 2,000 yards. He was winning state titles all over the place, and, and he was a key guy. But um, I, I just, I, I, yeah, a lot of reservations with what kind of season he's going to have. And then uh, Mark Walton's a guy that a lot of people are, I think I'm pretty sure, highest-rated um, recruit that they yeah, got. he was. So, yeah, there's going to be high expectations. Mark, obviously, successful program on a Booker T. Um, and it finished, I mean, he was killing it at the end of the year. Yeah, he... Playoff run was game, ridiculous. He went off. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was great to see him do so well. However, I don't, I don't value Mark Walton. I don't put him in the same category as the other very good running backs we've seen in South Miami. He's not he's not as good as Lamar Miller was. He's not no. as good as Duke Johnson. He's not no. Alex Collins. Like no. he's just not those guys. And I think that a lot of people are probably expecting a lot out of him and, and surprisingly we haven't heard much about him this fall. I would say just on talent level, I think Walton and Yearby are pretty equal. And I I mean they're talented guys. They're just not, you know, Lamar Miller. They're not Duke Johnson. They're that that notch below, just below. I would say, to me, Mark Walton reminds me of, he's like a smaller Mike James to me. You know, very solid, all-around guy who, you know, not crazy fast, but fast enough. Not uh, Doesn't run with crazy power, but can run with power. Can catch the ball well. Mark can probably catch the ball better than Mike James did, but Mike certainly could do that as well. So to me... You know, Mark is like a, a Mike James type of back, which is, you know, serviceable at Miami. Uh, I just think it's people took for granted what Duke Johnson was for this team, and he opened up the offense. He was a threat to score every time he touched the ball, and I don't think the running back group this year will be that type of threat. So... We talked about offensive line. Don't we think there's a drop off there, and it's a concern. We talked about running back; it's a drop off from Duke Johnson. There's some issues there that we're concerned with. Receivers, you've got guys that you've got three guys, although they're talented, are not coming off great years. That they, but they could be good. I think a lot of people would say, yeah, but they have Brad Kaya. He can erase a lot of these issues because of what Brad did last year. Um, things he should be improved upon this year. What does what do you see from Brad? What does he need to do? Uh, what do you just what do you expect from him this year? It's tough because I can't get over that O line, and I think that really limits what you can do with Brad. I think if the O line was okay, if the O line was good, I think Brad could improve his stats from last year. You know, throw for more yards and touchdowns and all that. I do believe in Brad Kaya. I think. He's a good quarterback. He's definitely taken the step as a leader. 
Um, I mean, you can just see it out there at practice every day. Um, and, you know, the talent is good enough around Brad at receiver for him to succeed if the O-line is up to the standard that we expect the O-line to play at. So, I mean, look, this is nothing new. Miami lost their best receiver. Miami lost their best tight end. Miami lost their best running back from last year's team. And their best offensive lineman. So why should we expect Brad to necessarily have a cra- like produce at a crazy level this year compared to last year? I think maybe we might see a similar year from Brad statistically that we saw last year, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not better. It just means everyone around him is kind of a notch below the talent level that they had last year. There's two things with Brad that I, I think that he'll have to be better at this year. His third, as a team, the third down efficiency was in the 90s last year nationally. A lot of, and if you look at Brad's numbers, what he was first down, second down, and then third, it's a big drop off. Um, I think Brad's going to have to be better on third down, make better throws, and make tough throws. Sometimes it is third and eight. Sometimes it's third and ten. He's going to need to complete some of those at a higher rate. I think he's going to need. Um, in addition to improve, making improvements on third down, um, because I think that'll make the offense go. You, you hear so much about Brad's leadership, and, and, and I know that there was an issue. There just was. Last year in the locker room when Brad got the starting job, there was a divided, or you know, there was definitely a uh, locker room that wasn't, oh, how do I say it? it just wasn't all in on a freshman starting. Yeah, they, it's Ryan tough Williams for, any, like a, for sure. any senior when you have a freshman quarterback coming in and starting. It's tough because there's going to be growing pains. Yeah, and and that was their, Ryan Williams was their guy, and 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 it's not to say Brad is controversial or anything like that, or bad locker room guy, or carries yeah. himself. Any, it wasn't any of that. It's it was just, just sports. It's how things are. Yeah, everyone that's played it knows the freshman comes in, it's going to be. So there was some of that, but so Brad, this is supposed to be you know Brad's team. He's taking a bigger leadership thing. I think you're gonna you want to see Brad when you hear about leadership, and, and we hear so much about it during fall camp. But what is Brad gonna do? Um, for the team when the the chips are down or in games where they're not doing so well, how will he rally the troops? Because all the great quarterbacks that we that have come through UM, I think have have that in them. They, we, we've you know Ken Dorsey hardly ever lost here, and I think uh, that was something that he was just known for doing. And obviously he had great talent, but he was known for being a leader and and uh, talking to his team and really getting his team to play play at their highest potential. And I think you're going to need to see Brad do that. Also. The seven losses from last season, a quarterback isn't responsible for all seven, but Brad's going to need to, um, the, the win totals, the, the record and stuff, That a lot of that w- does go to the starting quarterback. And, and frankly, even though uh, if there are question marks all across the field, you know, Brad um, is going to take some of that responsibility as wins and losses go. Yeah, I mean, it's it'll be an interesting year for Brad because, yes, he is, I mean, we both do like him. He's definitely a good quarterback. Uh, is he good enough to overcome the deficiencies of this team? That'll be the one of the big storylines of the season this year, and you know we don't know that yet. So we'll we will see. We we won't know anything probably about this offense until the Nebraska game. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, I I think you would agree. What we've seen with the way Brad has carried himself so far in camp. And even you know spring ball last you know this past spring, he has taken steps to be more of a leader. I mean he's not shying away from 
from those kind of things. Absolutely, and that that won't that can't be said about other quarterbacks we've seen through yeah. come through the program where it was like it, they just you didn't see them with the leadership stuff that they were going to struggle. Brad with. is doing extra things. Yes, like he's but, going out of his way to send text messages to teammates, sure. and you know he he is not afraid to be vocal either. And he wants to be good. I mean, I think yes. that's the thing too. Brad's gonna the work ethic. He's is going there. to be a football guy. We heard about when he came first enrolled at Miami. He he's going to be a football first type guy. You're not gonna have to worry about that. So he wants to be good. He's gonna continue to work. And and uh, yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting. Before we uh, wrap this podcast up, uh, you saw Brad Kai at the opening in yep. high school. Yeah. You recently saw Jack Allison, a former UM commit. Um, no, a UM commit. A U, uh, yeah. Uh, UM commit, sorry, uh, Jack Allison, UM commit, um, you saw him in a game. How does he, I wouldn't say compare, but just what were your impressions of Jack Allison? Yeah. How did he look when, when you saw him play? Yeah, so I saw Jack come down to, he came down to, his team came down to Fort Myers. They had their season opener. And, uh, you know, the thing, the thing that you notice about Jack is just, you know, physically he has it. He's skinny. But he's definitely six five, maybe even six six. He's very tall, very long arms, and he can definitely sling it wherever he needs to throw the ball. You know, around the field, he can get it there. He can make every single throw you need him to make. Um, I will say, it's tough judging him solely on these high school games because the talent around him is lacking. He doesn't have much to work with at receiver with his team. Uh, his O-line was kind of all over the place with false starts and holding penalties. There was a lot of penalties in the game. Like, I want to say somewhere close to 200 yards. It was crazy. And some of it was on Jack, to be honest. I mean, there was a lot of delay of game stuff, but that could be just first week stuff. But with Jack, I mean, the leadership was there. His teammates definitely liked playing for him. He's not afraid to encourage teammates or get on them in a good way when he needs to. And um, the thing with his offense that, uh, that that I say it's hard to really judge and get a great feel for him is because every you know the talent is so limited. Everything he throws within his offense is a hitch. So it's, you know, eight-yard hitch here, eight-yard hitch there, screen here, screen there. So it's definitely a ball-control offense he runs. But I have seen him also in the seven-on-seven seven setting when he's hitting guys downfield on deep posts and, and deep balls and all that stuff. And so he can definitely make those throws. I would say, you know, in a game, I think a transition for him when he gets to college will be reading uh, reading defenses downfield, knowing how to throw with anticipation, um, that kind of stuff, but that's you know a transition for every every guy coming in at quarterback in college. Um, and yeah, I mean his team ended up winning thirty one twenty one. I mean they the talent between the two teams was pretty even, so it's you know always a good thing when the quarterback can lead his team to a win. Uh, I think just tool wise, Jack has everything. Um, you want in a quarterback prospect. I think he does need to tighten up his mechanics. Sometimes it gets loose from throw to throw. But one thing, so you mentioned I saw Kaya at the opening. One thing that they're they're both similar with in high school was they both can get really, really streaky. 
So I remember at the opening, Kaya um, got on one of his hot streaks at one point in the seven-on-seven tournament out there. And, you know, when he got on that hot streak, everyone out there is like, man, when he's this hot, he is as good as any quarterback in the country. He he could just make all the throws. And then he'd, he'd also dip down and, and would go on a cold streak. So you definitely see that from Jack at times. Um, he can get hot, and when he gets hot, he looks as good as anyone. Um, but then also things can go wrong. And t- typically with Jack, when things go wrong, he sails the ball too high. But I think you like the ceiling you see from Jack, just like you did from Brad. And you hope, you know, the quarterback keeps working, Jack keeps working, and just gains more consistency so that then the hot streak becomes more of a norm rather than just being so up and down at times. Just the quarterback recruiting in general, I think, you know, James Coley's done a good job just raising the talent level from when he first arrived. He's raised the talent level of the quarterback room. So, um, you know... When he first got here, he added Brad Kaya. Last year, Dwayne Lawson, who, you know, Miami didn't end up signing because, you know, stuff changed at the end. But Dwayne Lawson is a very, very talented quarterback, and I'm sure in the next few years we'll see him playing at Virginia Tech. They ended up, at the last minute, pulling in Evan Sheriffs, who I think is, uh, you know, a very good pull for late in in the game like that. And has a chance to compete when Brad's time is over. He will be in the competition with Malik, with uh, Jack as well. I think Jack and Evan are pretty similar as quarterback prospects. And then Malik, too, who I forgot, he came in with Brad. I think Malik is a perfect quarterback for a backup. I mean, he could start for a lot of teams. I'm very high on Malik and his ability and I think, you know, just identifying that guy, getting him to come in with a Brad Kaya, I think you got to give James Coley a lot of credit for the way that he's elevated the talent in the quarterback room. Yeah, it was definitely needed to be improved from what from what it was. Yeah. And, and you know, kind of just talking a little bit about Malik, we got to see him. We, uh, we went up to a game at Florida State, and Malik was playing on that Friday night, and we drove over to Alabama afterwards, long day of driving that day, and went and saw Malik play. And um, we, we both came, came away impressed with what Malik what, what we saw from Malik and had a good arm. Um, you know, ran the ball well, and then you get to talk, and we talked to him afterwards. Obviously, we got to we talked to his family a little bit, and it was just we we came away impressed with Malik, and and uh, everything we've seen from him at UM has has been impressive as well. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely uh, the quarterback position, and it's so, so important, and obviously in college football, and I know that's why a lot of UM fans are excited about the season, just because of Brad Kaya, and and like I said, maybe they, they think that uh, he can. Arrange race maybe or cover up some of the other little the holes uh, on the rest of the team and um it'll be interesting to see how the season goes um yeah it'll be fun i mean season starting this weekend i know i'm excited to have college football back um you know hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast and uh you know give us some feedback we'll, we're definitely open to it and uh, if you guys enjoy it we will definitely keep it rolling yeah, definitely. Uh, again, inside the U.com, we'll have plenty of interviews um, after the game. We're planning on doing this podcast more often, uh, hopefully once a week. 
Uh, again, hopefully you like it. Definitely a work in progress, uh, but hopefully uh, we can get this thing going and, again, share some of our thoughts. Maybe we'll provide a little bit more stories. I feel like we've got kind of a story with most of these guys from high school, um, having seen them and, and just kind of just years of experience or little funny moments. I know we didn't share nearly enough, but uh, thanks again for listening. And, and, again, thanks so much over the years of supporting Inside the U uh, started from ground zero and I know both of us really appreciate all the support we've received over the years it's it's been great and although UM hasn't won as many games as we would have liked uh, as many as everyone would like uh, it's still been an enjoyable experience yeah and you know we'll, we'll hope for the best this year and we'll see what Miami's got all right thanks guys we'll, we'll talk to you guys later all right